Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Fellowship Podcast. We hope this message will inspire, challenge, and encourage you to grow closer to Christ. If you're in the Anchorage area, we invite you to be our guest during our morning Sunday worship service at 11 a.m. For directions, or if you would like more information about us, please visit akmaranatha.com. It's been a little over a year since Kelly and Lenora Brake have been with us. Um, they're missionaries to the world, and uh, their work includes evangelistic ministry, encouraging the church and church leaders uh, through conferences. And recently, they've traveled to Ecuador, Mexico, and the Lord has led them to establish a retreat center in Bulgaria. Um, the breaks uh, make their base out of near Tampa, Florida. Uh, they've been married and ministered together for 40 years. They've ministered together longer than they've been married. And uh, uh, you'll have to, I'm sure Kaylee will tell you a story about that at some point. Uh, they've, uh, they have uh, three grown children and five grandchildren. They've been pastors, traveling missionaries, going to wherever God opens, do, go, opens doors, and uh, you'll hear reports about what God is doing to encourage His church and to change lives and to heal people and uh, to strengthen the work of the Lord wherever they go. Uh, they've been a great encouragement to this church and to us personally, and I know uh, you're going to love uh, hearing the Word of God this morning, so I'd like to welcome Kelly Brake. God bless you. Come and share the Word. Well, you, you all have been a great encouragement to us for a long time now, more than 20 years. And uh, so whenever we're here, we feel like we're coming home because uh, there's not too many places, too many churches where we've preached for over 20 years, but this is one of them. And so thank you all for your prayers. And it's an honor for Lenore and I to be back here today and uh, we don't mind the rain. Uh, I, I'm just glad it's not snow today. I said to Lenore, imagine if it was 10 degrees colder, we'd be driving through two feet of snow, but we would have come through the snow to get here. Uh, it has been, this uh, last month started our 43rd year of doing ministry together, preaching together, and we're just still getting more excited with every passing year because God is working in wonderful ways. And a lot of people, first people got very discouraged during the COVID season. Now people are discouraged because of war and rumors of war and economy, economic, you know, issues. And uh, there's always something, if you want to, there's always something to be depressed about. But uh, I don't want to be depressed. And I have learned that there's always something to rejoice about. Because what God is doing is always greater than what the devil's doing. We just need eyes to see and ears to hear. And the kingdom of God is never uh, in neutral. It's always moving and expanding. And God is always a step ahead, many steps ahead of uh, whatever tragedy might be taking place whether globally or in our personal lives. And it's very important to remember that because these are shaking times and challenging times. But God is still God, and He's still good, and He is doing great things. And uh, I always find it a little frustrating 
when a preacher gets up and he feels like it's his duty to tell everybody how bad things are. Everybody already knows that things are bad around the world. Our duty is to tell how good things are in God. That's the calling, to preach the good news. The gospel is still good news. And uh, we have a real passion about that because God's people need to be encouraged. They need to have burdens lifted off of them. And I really believe God's going to encourage us with His Word this morning. And uh, I think He wants to strengthen your faith. And by the way, I'm just so excited about the way the Holy Spirit confirms what He wants to say. And this happened last time we were here, 15 months ago. Pastor Luke, in his introductory uh, encouragement that he gave 15 months ago, said something exactly from what I was going to preach. And you did the same thing again today. It's amazing, but that is the way God works. It's His way of saying, I'm here, and uh, I have something on my heart that I want to share with my people. That's the heart of God. Preaching is not trying to come up with a sermon. Preaching is discovering what is on the heart of God for His people because God always has something on His heart for you. God loves you. God is excited about your future, and He's excited about this church. Well, I do want to encourage your faith. I want to start just by sharing a testimony that some of you are familiar with, but it is the a core testimony from our year of a particular way that God led us, and this church has had a major part in it, and so I, I want to tell you where we are at with it. But at the beginning of the year, Lenore and I were praying. We do this each year and throughout the year, but particularly in the beginning of the year, sit down together and pray and say, God, what is on your heart? Uh, for our service to you this year? Is there something particular that you want us to give ourselves to? Somewhere you want us to go that we're not aware of? Uh, something that you want us to pour ourselves into? So we always submit our year to the Lord that way because we, we continue to be in full-time ministry. Our lives are not our own. By the way, neither are yours, whether you're in full-time or part-time ministry, you're still a minister, and when you gave your life to Jesus, your life belonged to Him. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. That's a liberating thing. That is a freeing thing, and so uh, we don't pray that prayer with fear and trembling. We pray it with excitement because the plans God has are good, and when He uses us, it's an exciting thing. And so when we pray, we uh, prepare ourselves to hear Something that we know will stretch us. Because when God has an assignment for your life, it will be bigger than what you can do on your own. It will require His help. It will require His empowerment. It will require His provision. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not one of those people that prays that prayer like, give me a country or... You know, I want to change the world. I, I'm sort of looking for something that's just a little bit bigger than what I can do. I'm not looking to be heroic. But sometimes God drops on you something that is gigantically bigger than what you can do. 
And then you have to take a deep breath and say, well, we asked for it. Now, how are we going to respond? That's what happened to us at the beginning of the year. Uh, We were praying and we had been aware for some months that some colleagues of ours, we've worked in Eastern Europe and particularly Bulgaria for over 20 years. And we knew some of our colleagues had their eye on a piece of property and a building and were praying about uh, coming into possession of that. And all, all we had done was just say, hey, well, you know, they shared that with us. They didn't ask for support at all. They just said, we believe God put this property on our hearts, and will you pray for us? So for about three months, we've been praying for them. Lord, give them faith. Give them courage. Open the windows of heaven and provide for them to be able to do it. And suddenly the Lord said, I actually want you to do it. And I was not looking to do it. I was not looking to take on this project. Neither Lenora or I had that in the forefront of our mind. But suddenly the Lord began to speak to us. He said, this is very important for what I want to do in that part of the world. And I want you to take responsibility for helping to acquire that property. As I said, I look for things sometimes that are just a little bit beyond what I can do, not gigantically beyond what I can do. But this was way beyond what we could do in our own strength, and we knew we would need God's help. To make a long story short, we communicated immediately with our friends there, We said, we believe God spoke to us. We don't know how, but uh, we are going to give ourselves to seeing this happen, and God is going to provide. They didn't even have a price on the property yet. So we said, go to the owners, negotiate the best price you can, and uh, we know that God will bring it to pass. What the Lord put in our heart was that, this property would be set aside as a, uh, for several purposes, but as a ministry center, a retreat center, a prayer center for that part of the world. This was six weeks before Russia came into Ukraine and turned that part of the world completely upside down. So just to put yourself in our shoes, we have no reason or understanding of why it's that important to get this property at that time. It was the first week of January. Uh, All we knew was God said this was important to him and that he wanted this set aside for his purposes, even without telling us what all those purposes were. What he was really asking us to do was not just take a major step of faith financially, but take a major step step of faith from every perspective because we didn't know the why, the what, the how, the when. We just knew God said, this needs to happen. And I've chosen you uh, to believe for it and to give yourselves to it. God didn't just give us the assignment, but he put a very specific timeline uh, in just sort of downloaded it into my mind. And uh, so when we contacted the people that had been looking at the property, we shared with them what we believed the Lord had spoken for them and for us. 
Um, they were going to have to be the ones to put their names on a contract, but it was going to be based on our commitment that we will make sure this gets done. And God was not giving us a lot of time. (laughs) The instructions that came to me were, go to the owner, come to the best terms possible. Once you've settled on a price, then tell him that uh, have have a lawyer, real estate lawyer, draw up the contract, and the terms of the contract will be this. We will give 10% down, and in 120 days, the rest will be paid in full. I'm going to tell you the truth. That was a little terrifying to me because, I mean, I have a 20-year mortgage on my house, not a 120-day mortgage. Who, who signs a 120-day mortgage? It's not normal. But this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to us. And so, as I said, it, it was a step of faith in many different ways. And, uh, but it was so clear. And so we shared this with our friends, and they said, we'll do it. And that was huge for them because they, we, we weren't there to sign the contract. We said we believe this is God, but it's, it, in, because of technical things, it can't be put into our name from this side of the pond. It's got to be in somebody's name there. So you all sign the contract and we will give our word, and then we'll pray. And we were honest. We said, you'll have to understand that we have nothing, and that, but we have our faith in what God has said. We have our confidence in what God has said. We have our confidence that God is faithful. We have our confidence that God is good. We have our confidence that when God promises something, He will come through with it. And on that basis, we are willing to partner with you in this thing. They took this idea to the lawyer, and the lawyer said, absolutely not. He said, I will not write up such a contract. He said, that is stupid. Nobody in the entire nation of Bulgaria would ever sign a real estate contract like this. He said, there's no such thing. It doesn't exist. And and this was a young couple that we were partnered with, and he said, you will lose your down payment if you come up with a down payment. And he said, I I, I won't write up such a contract. In, In good conscience, I can't do that to you because you'll lose your shirt. But they, too, had heard from God. And they, too, knew God was challenging them to persevere in their faith. And they insisted to the lawyer and said, we insist that you write the contract. We we will make this payment. And if you don't write it, we'll go to somebody else who will. Now, the lawyer didn't want to lose the business. (laughs) So finally, they prevailed upon him, and he wrote the contract, shook his head, and said, I feel so bad for you. Good luck. They uh, let us know that the papers had written, been written up and the 10% would be due on Monday. I think this was on a Friday. By the grace of God, we received a miraculous, unexpected uh, offering in the mail, I think on Saturday. Got it into the bank. And uh, Monday, by the skin of our teeth, we were able to send 
10% of the purchase cost, and that contract was signed. Now the sweating began. The 120-day the countdown. You know, for the next two weeks, there was no resources that came for that from anywhere. But I want to tell you, with a very glad and thankful heart, that the, the first two gifts toward that project both came from within this church. Of all the people we know globally, of all the people that support us, the very first two, one, the first, actually the first check or gift, I think came by PayPal, that came for, toward the project came from a member of this congregation. And then the, the first church to actually follow through, because there's only people says, oh, we want to be part of that, and then they forget. But the first church that actually not only said they would do something, but then did, was Maranatha Church. And I want to thank you for that. When the check came, Pastor Luke, that was like the, the greatest thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> because I was at a point of saying, God, is anybody going to, I mean, we've already passed 14 days. There's 106 days left. And people expressed excitement when we shared, but then it was slow in coming. But so, Maranatha Church, thank you. You saved my faith when I was sinking down beneath the stormy seas. And then right after that, the resources began to come fairly regularly. Within 90 days, the property was paid for and the deal was closed. By the way, the interesting thing about the timing of 120 days, the God who knows everything, why that number, when they went to the owner and said, we will have it paid in full by 120 days, that's what we want the contract to say. He said, that's amazing. He said, my retirement is exactly that week, 120 days from now. I mean, so he said, that's a perfect time for us to be fully vacated from the property. God knows everything. And God doesn't expect our faith to be a deep dive into some random guess. When God asks you and I to live by faith, he has a lot of details and encouraging instructions that he wants to give us. Well, so I want to report that, that that property was purchased uh, about six weeks into the process. We were sitting with another couple in Texas, and they were sharing that they were excited about this. Uh, oh, oh, by that time, the war in Russia was looked, looked like it was imminent. And in fact, it started that week. So it was about six weeks later. Uh, and the war between Russia and Ukraine, Russia was building their forces. And so we're like, wow, we, we're buying property that's right in the middle of this thing that seems like it's going to break out. And this young couple was sharing how exciting they thought that was. And then they said, and what a great step of faith you've taken because, you know, not only are you buying it, but, you know, after you buy it, then there's going to be all kinds of upkeep and maintenance and renovation that your ministry will be responsible for. And I said, whoa, uh, 
what are you talking about? They said, well, if you're paying for property, you realize you have to maintain it. And I have to tell you honestly, you know, I'm not a real estate genius, but that had never crossed my mind. And we actually just bought our own home uh, three years ago when we were in our late 50s. So we've never been involved with real estate. We've always been in parsonages or rental homes or or other types of uh, lodgings. And so that's never been something that I had to think about. And I was like, that's really bad news. You mean this is a faith project that's going to go on for the rest of our lives? And they're like, well, yeah. You're going to have to fix the place up, and you're probably going to have to add rooms. And I'm like, I don't want to hear anymore. And that's exactly what the rest of this year has been like. Once the property was acquired, suddenly we began to discover all the things that needed to take place. Like, for instance, it had no heating system for the winter. Thank God that has been done already. But there were so many things that needed to be done. So for the last six months, we have been on this wonderful faith journey of sending money and then sending more money and then sending more money. But it is happening. And people are already gathering. We've had people from around Bulgaria gather there, different ministers. We've had people come across from Romania. People have come over from Macedonia. And we believe it is just the start of something great God wants to do in that very unsettled region of the world. Of course, as I mentioned, right at that time, six weeks after the fact that we started or initiated, Russia came into Ukraine. That, you know, that is still a catastrophic situation. It has affected everybody in Eastern Europe. Uh, Everybody is shaken by it. Everybody has questions about it. But God knew There would need to be places where people could gather to be fortified, to be encouraged, to to get prayer, and to be empowered to go on continuing to do what God has called them to do in their part of the world. So pray for us about that. That's the little mission spotlight. That is what we've done this entire year. We have been to Mexico this year, but our main deal is Bulgaria. In fact, a week from tomorrow, we'll be flying back there for a month, and uh, we need your prayers, and I thank you again just for being part of it. This week is a big week there. We're insulating the whole exterior of the building. We're adding a completely new bathroom facility. The kitchen facilities are being redone so it can handle bigger groups, so there's a lot happening just in the next two weeks, and uh, pray for us because our faith is right on the edge of the exciting work of God. Faith is something you and I need to live the Christian life. Faith is not just for missionaries. Missionaries have a bad habit of often saying, well, we're a faith-based ministry. Just so we all understand, every one of us that follows Jesus is living out a faith-based ministry. There's no such thing as really some people have faith-based ministries and others don't. If you're a follower of Jesus, your life, your entire life is meant to be faith-based. When people use the term these days, they usually are referring to, well, we depend on God 
for financial support. But that's unfortunate that we have developed that kind of language in the church world because we all, as followers of Jesus, rely on God for everything. We all have lives. I mean, the Bible says, in Him, in Jesus, we live and move and have our being. He holds everything together. And so our Christian life is really uh, without any foundation if it's not founded daily upon His ability to keep us, upon His faithfulness, Pastor Luke. Because very often... We are weak. Very often our emotions aren't where we would like them to be. Very often we do not feel up to the challenge of faith. But He is faithful. And He enables us to live this wonderful life of faith. So I want to share that with you first before I get into the text. In Habakkuk, it it tells us very clearly that the just or the righteous live by their faith. And I believe that doesn't just mean we breathe, but that means there's a quality of life. Jesus said that he will give life and life more abundant. The average Christian I meet does not feel like they are living an abundant life. But God has given us keys into a fullness of life, a fullness of joy. And Habakkuk says it very clearly, the just shall live by their faith. I believe that can mean that we not only uh, breathe, but that we live life to the fullness in God as it is possible by the degree to which we place our trust in Him. Now here's a tricky thing about faith and living by faith. There's a, and this reflects on what Pastor Luke was saying. There, there's a dual nature to the life of faith. And it confuses people sometimes. And I, I want to talk about principles of faith in a practical way that we can all live. But there's a dual nature to the life of faith. On the one hand, faith should be very simple and childlike. It's not supposed to be complicated. It's not supposed to be something only like profoundly spiritual people can wrap their minds around. So on the one hand, uh, Christianity very much needs to be a simple proposal. And the walk with God is meant to be simplified. Childlike trust. Jesus said, unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so for me, I'm an adult, I'm 60, but I'm on a constant quest to be childlike because I know if I overcomplicate my faith, if I overcomplicate my service to God, I'm going to lose the joy of it, I'm going to lose the the wonder of it. I'm always asking the Lord, Lord, help me to remember that you designed this thing to work with childlike simplicity. I trust you, God, because you're a good father. I place my life in your hands. You're faithful. That's simple, childlike faith. And all of us are to walk in that. But there is another side 
of faith. That's the mountain-moving side. So we add simplicity, but then we have intensity. And that's where you feel passion stirring. That's where we talk about moving the mountain into the sea. That's where we talk about people doing great exploits for the glory of God. And these two sides are both real, legitimate aspects of faith, but it confuses people. And what I found, people tend to camp on one side or the other, often based on their personality. So if someone is extroverted or or very intense, it's very easy for them to latch on to the mountain-moving sermons about faith. We're going to give the devil a black eye, and we're going to believe God, and every person's going to be healed this morning. And, and that is awesome, but that's not the whole picture. <laughs> that's where some people's personality causes them to land. That's where some people's doctrinal view of faith causes them to land. Other people are tend to be shy. There's nothing wrong with being shy. They tend to be quiet, and so they feel really good about the childlike simplicity aspect of faith. Uh, their emotions might be down. That's what you spoke of earlier. Maybe their emotions aren't up to the task of contending or wrestling or fighting the good fight of faith. I am so glad. I I don't know if you heard, but I gave you the loudest amen when you said that. I am so glad that God is faithful when our emotions don't feel like fighting. So there's a lot of um, imbalanced teaching that goes on about faith where you can be made to feel that If you're not feeling like a superhero, God's not going to do anything for you. And that's wrong. The Bible, in fact, says even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. Because he can't deny himself. It's who he is. He's merciful. It's who he is. His mercies are new every morning. I might have done something contrary to his standard the night before, but it's who he is. The next morning, he's still a merciful God. And when I'm struggling in my faith, he's still the next morning a faithful God. And so it's important when we talk about faith that all the pressure of faith not land on us like a ton of bricks because none of us can bear that. I believe we're able to live by faith because he's faithful. He empowers us to live the life of faith. I have prayed the verse you quoted, Pastor Luke, many, many times in my ministry. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. It's one of my common prayers. You might might say, well, then why is he preaching this morning? Well, we need real people preaching, not pretend people preaching. And I prayed that prayer many times when I did not feel up to the task. I prayed that prayer uh, two weeks after we did said, we'll finance this project. And, and Maranatha's church check hadn't come yet. And believe me, I was praying that prayer. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Don't let my unbelief or my struggle or my human weakness be an obstacle to your grace and your favor and your power. And I'm so glad I've learned this about God. He does not let my human weakness obstruct his goodness. 
Now, I have, the, I have the freedom to deny, you know, and just renounce and say, no, I don't want nothing to do with it. I have that freedom. But that's not where I'm at. No, I'm at, Lord, help me. That's the place I'm at. I don't want to be in unbelief. I don't want to waver. I don't want to be double-minded. I don't want to doubt, even though you've done a million things for me before. Lord, help me. And God is the author of our faith. He's the one who even gives us the ability to believe. I've, never, I've tried to never lose sight of that. I, we didn't get saved without his help, and we can't live this life without his help. And yet he invites us to avail ourselves of the faithfulness he offers and then experience life to an extraordinary degree. Let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 12. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And remember Abraham and Sarah, who they were, called out of their homeland, unable to have children together. Then famous story in his life where later they had Isaac and and he had to offer Isaac up. And so frequently Abraham is called the father of faith. But hear what the Bible says about their story. In verse 9, by faith he lived in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. This is exactly what we were just talking about. She received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him, what? Faithful, who had promised. Not because she was superwoman, but because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. I don't know how you feel about your own life right now or about the degree of fruitfulness you perceive to be in your life, but you could be, you can be for, for all intents and purposes as good as dead. Yet, if God has a plan and speaks a word over your life, your life can have an innumerable outcome. An innumerable blessing can flow from you. You may be here this morning and it might be one of the weakest moments of your life journey, but by faith in the faithfulness of God, God can turn that around today and give you a hope and a picture and a desire and even a willingness to believe that He can do something extraordinary through your life. I have found on our journey that some of the most extraordinary things God has done over our years of ministry have come at our weakest moments. 
but where instead of letting go, we held on and said, Lord, we believe. You know we believe. We believe you're good. We believe you're faithful. But right now, we're struggling. Help us in the place where our soul questions whether or not you're going to come through. Help us to hold on to you, our anchor, because we know that you always prove faithful in the end. There's a few faith principles in this story that I want to share with you. The first is that faith will at some point step out of its comfort zone and do something that might not seem logical, might not feel possible, but at God's invitation, it will step out beyond itself. God called Abraham to leave his home and follow God's leading to a place he didn't know and said, it'll be okay, I'll be there with you when you get there. I believe there is an invitation to every Christian, every Christ follower throughout our life to step out in various moments at God's invitation into opportunities for service that are bigger than what we are able to do. It might be in the realm of giving, but it might be in the realm of sharing the love of God with your neighbor. It might be in going somewhere. It might be in taking up a project or serving in a ministry in the church you never saw yourself serving in. But I will tell you this, and I'm sure of this, that for all followers of Jesus Christ, there are throughout our lifetimes a series of invitations that will come. It may not be an invitation to Bulgaria or to the Philippines or to some far-off land. It may never take you outside of Anchorage. But your life is one that God desires to stir faith within so that you believe there is something beyond the same old, same old day in and day out. God never willed for any of his people to live mundane, repetitive, uninspired existences in this world. Until the trumpet sounds, until our Lord's coming, his intention is that we live in this vibrant reality of a dynamic faith that interacts with the vibrant reality of a faithful God who's longing to reveal himself to the world. But what that requires is someone to step out in response to him. It required both sides of the faith dichotomy. Abraham had to become like a little kid. Okay, I don't know where I'm going, but you said go and I'll go. He totally surrenders his independence as a man and as a small child, just trusting a, a father. He just takes God's hand and he goes. But it also required... Courage and intensity because he had to inform his wife <laughs> that he'd had a talk with God and they were moving. And I'm sure, as happened at several 
moments in their life. She might have thought he was a little bit crazy, but he knew he had heard from God. And together they set out. Faith steps out. The Bible says it this way. Abraham obeyed when he was called. God is still calling today. Still calls to us. Are we listening? God calls to your children. God God called me when I was a little child. Seven years old, I started sensing the call of God. God calls your children. God calls you. Go check on your neighbor. That can be the call of God. Go and pray for this sick person or someone's just telling you about how they're not feeling well and suddenly you hear that whisper, pray for them. And I don't know why, but it's the most awkward thing for so many of us just to do the simple thing of of praying for somebody. And it's like we're working up the courage to run for president of the United States. And it's so simple. But the Holy Spirit's calling. Just pray for them. Pray for them. The wonderful faithfulness of God that is released when you answer His call. It changes the entire dynamic of your life. The reason we pray at the beginning of every year, asking the Lord what He has for us that year, is not because we, we you know, we just... Like, well, we got to be doers of good, and this is what we do, and we're missionaries. No, we've learned that in doing that, it opens the door to the most extraordinary experience of living. Answering the call of God, whether something huge or something seemingly small, will change your life for the good and enrich your life forever. Faith steps out. But when it steps out, it has to be careful not to get fidgety. Faith shouldn't get fidgety. Maybe that's an old-fashioned word. That's because I'm old, Luke. You know what fidgety is? Fidgety is what you do in your seat when Luke preaches past 1245. That's fidgety. You start getting fidgety. I'm and I'm looking at the clock and I got to speed up or some of you are going to get fidgety. Look what the scripture says about Abraham. He lived in the land of promise as in a foreign country in tents. It was kind of the in between zone. It was the land of promise but there was an impermanence. The promise hadn't been fully revealed yet. And so often when God invites you and you step out, there's this fidgety season in the middle where the promise has not come to pass yet. And you feel like you're not really rooted. You feel like you're not really grounded. This even happened with his son Isaac, where Isaac was like, should I go down to Egypt? Should I stay here? And God would repetitively have to tell even the patriarchs, stay put. Because it's our human nature. When the answer is slow in coming, we get fidgety and we want something permanent. I thought of this phrase this morning. That it's, it's a new phrase. I've only heard it the last year or two. But people talk about 
we, we're finally in our forever home. Have you heard that phrase? And then when they want to uh, uh, get animals adopted, they'll put a picture. I saw one yesterday of a little puppy and says, looking for its forever home. And I, I'm not being cynical, but when I looked at the picture, I thought, that dog ain't going to live more than five more years. So I don't know what forever home he's going to. But this kind of thinking has gotten into us as Christians where, especially in the Western world, we're, oh, I'm in my forever home now. You're not in your forever home until you're with Jesus. This is our temporary home. In fact, this body of yours is a tent that you do not stay in forever. And some people, uh, I mean, they sculpt and fashion and treat their physical body like they're going to live in it forever. I got news for you. This thing doesn't last more than 100 years. It's not designed to, but people act like they're going to live forever. They act like they're moved, they're, they, they decorate their home like they're going to live in it for the next 300 years. Nothing wrong with decorating your home, but keep the right mentality. Abraham was planted in the land. He prospered in the land, but it was not his permanent situation. He knew something better was coming, and I believe one of the greatest obstacles to us living by faith in our Western culture is we're too rooted in the here and now, and we're not rooted in what God has promised to do in the future, and it is a hamstring to our faith. Because faith is always empowered by the reality of eternity. The eternal God, the eternal home with him, the eternal presence of God. We love our home. The Lord gave it to us three years ago. But we declare it all the time when we pray. Lord, thank you for this home you gave us. But we know we aren't here forever. We know it's just a tool. It's a wonderful place where our grandchildren can visit. It's a place where we can rest between trips, but it's just a tool. It's not our forever home. And if it becomes our obsession, or if our physical body becomes our obsession, or even if our local church becomes our obsession, and our whole life is invested in preserving something that was not meant to last forever, we will miss the best part of living by faith which is to enjoy the eternal reality of God. Faith rests on His promises, even in the in-between time. But faith knows that God also, at the right time, will show up. God will show up. Faith is not, well, whatever happens, happens. Faith is God is faithful. He's going to come through in some fashion or another. What does the scripture say? It says, he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In other words, he waited for what he knew only God could do. Only God could produce. Faith has an expectation that God will come through because he's God and he's inherently faithful and he'll never be anything but faithful and he keeps 
his word. He keeps his promises to you and I. God is a faithful God. He's going to show up and do what only God can do. So a check comes from Maranatha, you know, nine months ago or eight months ago, whatever it was. And for us, I mean, it's real, translates into real time. That was like, oh, thank God he's showing up. (laughs) You know, your faithfulness anywhere, somewhere to someone, just as a Christian, in many situations, that's God showing up for somebody. You praying for somebody who's sick, and suddenly, even beyond your own expectations, their pain goes away. That is God showing up in their life. We have the opportunity as believers for God to show up through us in the lives of other people. How much hinges on our own obedience, on our own willingness to respond when God calls us out. What I think of the inverse, how shattering it would be if someone missed an opportunity for God to show up in their life because we missed the opportunity to say yes to God. It's amazing so many times we felt God leading us to do something and, and we just had no sense of what it would produce and... and, and you know, where it was going, and then suddenly we find out someone's life was completely transformed. God showed up through a simple act of kindness, through a prayer, through a sermon, a message, maybe on a Sunday somewhere where I might have come off the platform and driving home said to Lenora, I don't know if anybody got anything out of that. Boy, I felt so much warfare. Everybody seemed to sleep. I mean, we've had those conversations. And then you find out that three people got saved and you didn't even give an invitation. That happened in a service 17 years ago. A church that right now is one of the most powerful churches I know in the United States, exploding with several thousand people that attend the church, a powerful, powerful move of the Holy Spirit. It was in a service that, for me, was one of the most difficult services I'd ever been in. There were 30 people in the service. It looked like nothing was happening. Nobody responded. And unbeknownst to me, three young men got saved in that service. One of them is the pastor of that church today. God showed up even when I didn't feel emotionally like he was showing up. But what was required was that I answered the call, went to a service that I did not want to go to. I'm not trying to make you think I'm a terrible person, but sometimes we don't feel like going to church. (laughs) We were on a long trip, and someone asked us to detour to another city and preach at this church, and I, it was out of our way and not on our schedule, and I said no. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you didn't ask me. And I had to call the person back and say, I'm sorry, yes, we'll come. But we drove into that town not wanting to be there, not having any expectation, and 
One of the most powerful pastors I know in America today got saved in that service because God shows up when you answer the call of God. Faith expects God to show up. If we don't expect Him to show up in our life, how can we expect Him to show up in other people's lives? I encourage you to develop a culture in your own family of expecting God to show up and build something that only God can build. To do something in your life and in your family that only God can do. Cultivate that expectation. Pray for it. Ask God for it. Lord, do in our life what only you can do. When we position ourselves in this way, faith is met by the supernatural power of God. That's what happened to Sarah. You wonder how this miracle happened where Sarah was 90 and Abraham was 100 and she got pregnant and the Bible makes it crystal clear that nothing was working in Abraham's body and Sarah's womb was dead. But God had promised them a son. How did it happen? I've thought so often of this story because the dialogue God had was with Abraham, not primarily with her. And she had to trust not only her husband's report of the dialogue, but she also had to trust the character of God. When Abraham said, I think, honey, tonight's the night. I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought it through, but it's kind of a weird story. This is a very elderly couple, and they nothing happened for a long time. And she has to trust at a really high level <laughs> that God is involved in this situation. She has to be willing to enter into that tent with her husband, into a scenario that seems ludicrous, unlikely, impossible. But I love this picture of how God responded to her faith. It says, by faith, Sarah herself also, not just Abraham, but Sarah also received strength. The power of God didn't come only on him. The power of God came upon her. She received. She had an encounter with the supernatural enabling power of God. And this is what I love about the life of faith that God invites you into and invites all of us into. It gives us the opportunity to live continually and repetitively in an encounter with the supernatural empowering of God. By the way, that's normal Christian living. That's normal church. Not just God showing up, but who's God? He shows up, you're going to experience that which is beyond your natural ability. You're going to experience what only God can do. And when in faith we position ourselves and say, Lord, I don't understand, I don't know how, it doesn't make sense, but I've heard your call, here I am. Somehow. This moves the heart of God, and His power is released in an extraordinary way. 
How many are hungry for the power of God? Live a life of faith. And you won't miss it. You won't miss it. Faith then results in a miracle and in a testimony. Joined to the promise of God, your response, joined to the promise of God. Listen to what it says. Sarah received strength to conceive seed. So her body came alive and was able to be fruitful. And it wasn't so that they just went through the motions and nothing happened. And when you interact with the Word of God and with the promises of God and you stand on the promises of God, it is not an experience where nothing happens. Something will be conceived in your soul and you will come alive. And a produce will come from your spirit. Something will be birthed in your life that you could not produce on your own. And I don't want ministry to be simply what Lenora and I, on our best day, putting our heads together, can dream up. But I want it to be what only God can birth within us as we respond to the call and stand on the seed of God's Word and then see the miracle birthed within us. The last point is that faith partners bring multiplication to the kingdom of God. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Abraham needed Sarah And Sarah needed Abraham. And we all need partners in faith. When you respond to the call of God in your local church, whatever God's asking you to do, you're partnering with your pastors, you're partnering with one another. And that's multiplication. Lenore and I have found the most important place of commonality between us, the thing we must focus on the most. Listen, we're partners in many areas. We're partners as parents of three adult children. We're partners as grandparents of five grandchildren. There's a lot. We're, we're, we're traveling partners around the world. But do you know, we, we rehearse this all the time, the most important partnership between us is we're partners in faith, partners in a faith that follows the Lord Jesus Christ, partners in believing that God is good. And we believe, we've seen that brings multiplication so much more than what Kelly could do or what Lenore could do. What it brings is what only God can do. And that's my prayer for you, Maranatha Church, that you'll partner together with one another You'll partner together in your homes. You'll partner together so that God's desired multiplication can be released through this ministry, through your lives, because God is looking to show up in somebody's life through you. Jesus, I pray right now. You know, if you're in that place, and it's a little late, so I'm just going to, just where you're sitting, I'm 
I want to pray this prayer. If you're in that place where I've been many times, where I've said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, just between you and Jesus, could you slip up your hand and uh, just, just before the Lord, slip it up and say, Lord, that's where I'm at right now. And uh, there's, of course, a number of hands that are up. That's how it always is. And that's no shame. Thank you for your honesty before God. But I want to pray into that right now. Lord, in our place of weakness, we declare that you are faithful. For those that are in a place of struggle, where they've almost given up, I pray that you loose upon us today a fresh spirit of faith, a fresh confidence in the faithfulness and goodness of God. Lord, when we're at our low moment, you are always at a high moment. Lord, when we are at our weakest, you are always and forever most powerful and most high. You never waver and you never diminish. So I pray, all-powerful, almighty God, would you in this moment breathe fresh life and fresh faith on the members of Maranatha Church. Thank you for your precious people and all of those outside of this church community that are going to meet God because these people have answered your call. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Luke. Thank you, Kelly. Let's stand. I'd like to encourage you today that a life of faith isn't something that we happen into accidentally. It's, it's a life that has to be cultivated. And if you're not reading your Bibles, you're not spending time in prayer, we're not going to live lives of strong faith. So I would encourage you, faith will, can be developed and cultivated through the reading of the Word and through spending time with God in prayer, He'll speak to you. Uh, but if we're not doing those things, it's like if you had a garden that was really nice and you just let it go and neglected it. It gets overgrown with weeds and it doesn't produce the kind of fruit that it should. If you want to have a life of faith, it's, it's something that you need to cultivate as you walk with God. And so I would encourage you to do that, to trust God. And if He's calling you to something, take a step of faith in that area. And then the next time He calls you'll already be in that mindset and that mode to be able to, to at least challenge yourself to, to walk God's way. And so I want to encourage you in that. Thank you for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, we would love to hear about it. You're welcome to message us at akmaranatha.com forward slash contact or message us on Facebook at Maranatha Full Gospel Fellowship. We pray you are blessed by the message and have a wonderful week.